Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. I'm Amy Prince. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This week, we're still in 1965 and we're still on Earth 2. We're looking at Brave and Bold issue 61 which was published on June 24th, 1965, with a cover date of September 1965. And if you've been listening recently, you'll know we've done a couple of issues of Showcase, which featured Dr. Fate and Our Man. Yes. How many times have I typed Dr. Fate and Our Man in the last <laughs> three weeks? My predictive text on my phone now anticipates Our Man any time I type the word and. That's how many times. Of course. But Brain Bolt 61 features a couple more revived Golden Age DC characters. It features Starman and Black Canary. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm here, yeah. Yes. <laughs> We've mentioned Starman quite a few times already. Yes. Obviously, because we did an episode on the Silver Age Starmen, mm-hmm. and he appeared in the JSA team-up in 29 and 30 issues of that comic, and obviously Black Canary has been back a few times. Mm-hmm. But um, just to remind anyone that, that needs it, the Starman first appeared in issue 61 of Adventure Comics, which was published on the 5th of March 1941, exactly 32 years to the day before I was born, <laughs> and he was a member of the Justice Society, appearing in all issues between 8 and 23. Black Canary first appeared in Flash Comics issue 86, which went on sale in June 1947, and she was a member of the Justice Society, appearing in all issues between 38 and 57 of All-Star Comics, so she was there right up until the end, so that's quite mm-hmm. exciting. More so than some characters you think are in it all the time, like Wildcat, as we've discussed. Who we've not actually met yet in this, the course of this podcast. No, that's true. Uh-huh. We, he'll be along soon. Yeah, shortly. But Wildcat, shortly. you know, who's generally held as being a, a Justice Society member, and he's in all of two issues in the Golden Age. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. But that's not the only Golden Age characters to come back in this story. Of course. Because the antagonist of this story is the villainous Mist. Yep. Tell us a bit about him, Dave. The Mist, obviously. Well, he was a Starman baddie. Appeared in a couple of stories with Ted Starr back in the day. He appeared in issue 67 of Adventure Comics, which went on sale in August 1941. And then he was back for a rematch in issue 77, which went on sale the following June. So... We talked before about the shade a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We were both quite surprised that he'd only actually had one Golden Age appearance. Yeah. But the Mist has a bit more of a pedigree. True. We've talked quite a bit about the James Robinson, Tony Harris, Peter Sneberg, Starman series. Yes. And we've talked about the shade. And obviously, the Mist became quite a sort of prominent character mm-hmm. in that series as well. And indeed, it's his family. Yeah. We don't want to get too many spoilers in case any of our listeners haven't read the James Robinson Starman series. If you have read, haven't read it, give it a shot. It's terrific. But the Mist is involved. His son is involved and his daughter is involved mm-hmm. and she becomes quite involved later on in the series. Quite significant relationship with Jack, who's the protagonist on Starman. So if you haven't read it, we've said it a thousand times, go and read it. Mm-hmm. We're going to put a gallery of missed covers up on the socials as well as, you know, a little Black Canary gallery and a little Ted the Starman gallery as well. So keep your eyes out for them. Lots of work going in. So yes, yeah, so before we get started, any thoughts on the Mist or Starman or Black Canary or anything, anyone? The first time I came across the Mist was actually the same time I first came across the Psycho Pirate. Ah. And that was in the Justice League Justice Society team-up from issues 195 to 197 of the JLA. And it was immaculately drawn by George Perez. Of course. And both these characters really, really struck me as fascinating villains. Mm -hmm. So yes, he's uh, certainly been one that's been on my mind. I think that's probably where James Robinson probably saw him as well, initially. Yeah, and he might have seen the issue Wanted. Of course, yes, we printed one of them, so um, which we'll, which we will talk about when we get near the time. So, when did you first meet Black Canary then, Pete? Uh, again in the old jelly issues. Yeah, uh, I think the first time I would have seen her was the one the issue I mentioned this before the issue where um Ray Palmer gets married. All right, I got a feeling about then maybe an issue of Green Lantern. Starman, I think the first time I met Starman mm-hmm. was probably issue 60 of All-Star Squadron, which I would have picked up mid-80s when I was a complete Marvel zombie more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Only, I'd only pick up DC Comics if there was nothing else I could find in any of the paper shops in Baisley or Johnson. Gosh. And the post office, quite near my gran, had a little pile of DC Comics, and I remember getting a couple of issues of Blue Devil and oh. All-Star Squadron issue 60, because what I remember about it is the bit when they all got their photograph taken. Oh, but again, yes. that's far, far in the future. Oh, and we won't talk to... about we won't talk about that just yet. Looking forward to reaching that in twenty thirty two. Yeah. See, obviously, Starman has quite a legacy, and uh, Black Canary herself has a bit of a legacy. But yes. we'll go on to that much, much later on yes, in the show. She's very much a legacy within herself, mm-hmm. and as we said, Starman is probably the most rebooted and re- reattempted or re reused name. Yeah, in, in DC comics history. Mm-hmm. So, and we've already done two Starmen. This is, I suppose, this is a third, even though he's the first. And there still are at least another two before we finish the podcast. <laughs> Not just this one. I mean, obviously, in future episodes. <laughs> so. Right, let's jump into it. Absolutely. Raven Bold 61. 
Rainbow presents Starman and Black Canary. The cover is fantastic. It's gorgeous. Murphy Anderson. And he's helpfully written his name on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Just so there's no doubt. That's yeah. Fine. So, um, yeah, Pizzi, tell us about the cover then. Well, it's kind of a nice purple background. We have got the mist, a big giant head and all this mist floating around him with two massive creepy hands. And caught in the mist are the figures of Starman and Black Canary. Absolutely. And the caption says... The sensational revival of two superstars from fabulous 40s. A book-length blockbuster teaming up the Astral Avenger and Blonde Bombshell in a battle royale against the villainous Mist. Mastermind of Menaces. I do love the alliteration. Yes, very good. And then we have a little footnote caption that says, Special feature, Origins of Starman and Black Canary. So we'll probably read that out when we get to the end, I suppose. I mean, you could honestly frame that as gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Placing the figures is stunning, just like the showcase 55 and 56 we've done already. I mean, Murphy was the guy, and I've said this many times, but the artwork in this is just light years ahead of some of the stuff that we've covered Absolutely. recently. And, that's, and that we will cover quite soon. Yes, and that says exactly the same for the splash page. Yep. Uh, because, again, you've got... Uh, it's almost a flash of two worlds. Because you've got Starman running towards you on one side of the page, and Black Canary running towards you on the other side of the page with the mist hovering in the background yep. and there's a panel box in between Starman and Black Canary so it's very much like mm-hmm. Flash of Two Worlds Credit little side out <clears> tells <throat> it's by written by Gardner Fox with art by Murphy Anderson and the big sort of blurb in the middle says A swirl of mist it seems to be a fog topped by a sinister face the dry evil chuckle of an arch criminal planning robbery invisible gangsters flowers that give orders to mesmerised people Add these all together and you have a prescription for peril awaiting Starman and the Black Canary as the Astral Avenger and Blonde Bombshell team up together for the first time to answer the deadly challenge of the Mist. Mastermind of Menaces! Top of page two, we have an elderly gentleman smoking his pipe, the bow tie, bow ties are cool, reading his newspaper, a massive big vase full of flowers on the tabletop in front of him. And the caption at the top of the page says... Retired financier Alan Moreland has a standing order with the Drake Flower Shop to deliver a bouquet every Saturday. During the course of the evening, the flower petals begin moving to and fro, vibrating, setting up sound waves in the room. So sure enough, Alan stands up and there are waves radiating from the flowers in front of him and we hear a strange, ethereal voice. Alan Moreland, hear and obey. Open the door to your wall's safe and remove its contents. None but the entranced Alan Moreland hears the hypnotic flowers, but he will be unable to remember what it was that caused him to rob himself. It is the latest in the series of clueless crimes that has baffled the police of Park City. And we have a panel of Alan lifting flipping great wadges of cash out of a wall safe by the mm. looks of it. Interesting, there's some jewels. But anyway, a slow dissolve in the caption for the next panel says... Later, in another part of Park City, inside the lavish Drake flower shop, Larry Lance, head of a private eye agency, makes a hurried call on his wife, Dinah Drake Lance. Just dropped in to say hello, honey. And so long, sweetheart. There's been another one of those mysterious robberies. I've got to check it out. Good clue, hon, darling. A few minutes later, another visitor. And Dinah turns round, and a very dapper chap who's doffing his cap at her, has come into the shop. We know who it is, because Dinah says, Ted! Ted Knight! Dinah, you doll, I'm in Park City to look over some of my business interests, none of which will be half as interesting as spending an evening with my friends, the Lances. Ted Starman Knight gives the girl he knows to be the Black Canary a friendly kiss. I hear your husband does all the crime chasing these days. Well, I am in semi-retirement. But speaking of evening spending, I insist you have supper with Larry and me as soon as we close up shop. Good deal. That'll give me a chance to do some research at the observatory. Caption for the next panel at the top of page three says, Dinah breaks off a flower from a bunch she is preparing for delivery and... She fastens it into Ted's buttonhole, saying, Wear this flower as a reminder to keep that date. Ha! <laughs> as if I'd let it slip my mind. Slow dissolve. And Ted's somewhere else now. Caption says, Ted Knight's fame as an amateur astronomer gains him admittance to the Park City Astronomical Observatory. And this is a really nice, you can tell that Murphy did a bit of technical drawing yeah. in his time. There's a scientist at a sort of equipment bank and there's another scientist chap who's sort of looking up at the telescope. And it's precise as only want. It's gorgeous, isn't mm-hmm. it? Absolutely. 
And Murphy Anderson, we trust. But anyway, Ted has arrived at the observatory and as he walks in, he's thinking, The stars are really bright tonight. Viewing conditions are perfect for my needs. And then he says out loud in the next panel, For a long time now, I've been working to improve my cosmic rod. The recent discovery of quasars and the fantastic energies they gave off have convinced me they can add to my effectiveness as Starman. And a very helpful editor's note says, Quasars, or quasi-stellar stars, is the name given to gigantic fiery objects as large as a million suns that burn at 100 times the brightness of our entire galaxy. They are 10 billion light years from Earth. And the next panel, again, it's a beautiful bit of technical drawing by Murphy Anderson. This is sublime. Mm-hmm. Ted has perched himself on a chair and he's using the telescope. And the caption says, The steady hum and throb of the motors that drive the telescopic tube on its declination axis and the amount of its polar axis fill the air as he works. Ted looks a little bit pained in the next panel. In close-up, the caption says, Then the flower in his buttonhole glimmers like mist and... Ted thinks to himself, There's something wrong. The stars have suddenly disappeared. Nobody else in here seems to be bothered that way. It's just my eyes that have been affected. But why? Moving on to page four, Ted has left the observatory. The caption says, Deeply troubled, for he can see everything perfectly except for the blotted out stars. He strides back toward the Drake flower shop. And Ted thinks to himself, Odd, now I hear a ringing in my ears and... Huh? There are strange waves radiating out from the flower on his lapel, and we hear that voice again. Go to your wall safe, Charles Prentice. He halts in astonishment, jaw dropping. Ted looks down at the flower, and the voice continues. Open the safe, remove the cash inside, and put it in the plain paper bag. And Ted thinks, Flower? Vibrating? Producing sound sensations? I seem to have intercepted a sound crime wave. Next panel, Ted is moving at speed. The caption says, He breaks into a run as... And the voice continues. Take the cash in the bag to the corner of 5th Street and Jefferson Boulevard. Leave it under the bush. Ted thinks as he runs. Fifth and Jefferson, that's not far from here. I almost feel like the Superman music should be starting to play. <laughs> you know, dun, 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 dun. But anyway. Only the trees and bushes witness the change that comes over the businessman as he sheds his street clothes to become Starman. And we see Ted in full regalia, adjusting his mask. The caption for the next panel says, Moments later, the Astral Avenger watches Charles Prentice drop a paper bag. Sure enough, Ted is hiding up a tree, and he sees a man in a blue suit, leaving the bag behind the bushes as instructed. And Ted Starman up a tree thinks, I've been too long in the Starman business not to be prepared for any emergency. The caption continues in the next panel, Then sees, after a few minutes wait, three men approach, and one man reach for that bag. Ted up a tree sees three goons in suits, two of them are wearing hats, one of them isn't, and the one who's not wearing a hat has reached down to pick up the bag. We're now at the top of page five, the caption says, From a leather holster, Starman lifts his cosmic rod. And we can see here in this panel that the three goons, they each have a flower hidden to the lapel of their jacket. One guy, who's obviously the lead goon, wearing a hat, says into this flower on his lapel, The stuff is here, boss, just as you ordered. And Starman up the tree thinks, Talking into that flower microphone. I'll use my rod to direct them to lead me to the boss behind this tricky robber scheme. And then we have a brilliant caption that says, Who is this man called Starman? What is the cosmic rod he carries? Know that many years ago, wealthy playboy Ted Knight made a discovery of stellar importance. And there's a great panel of Ted standing as Starman, holding his cosmic rod aloft, and he says, For thousands of years, men have spoken of the mysterious powers of the stars, but I am the first to discover that radiated starlight can be harnessed and used scientifically. Next panel shows Ted as Starman flying into the air. The caption says, Outwardly, Ted Knight seemed to be an aloof playboy. Only his fellow superheroes of the Justice Society of America knew him to be the dynamic, powerful Starman. And Ted is thinking, With this cosmic rod, I shall devote my days and nights to fighting crime and injustice. And so far, that doesn't really go against anything that we're used to from the James Robinson, Tony Harris series. True, true. Because we found, obviously, with the shade. There were layers added in. Yeah, and it was quite different to what we were used to. But Mm. this is is all good so far. Mm. So anyway, we're back to Starman up a tree. And the caption says, But now, as he lifts that cosmic rod to focus its stellar powers on the mobsters. Starman thinks, Huh? No glow. It's not working. Not receiving any energy from the stars. I wonder if it's tied in somehow with the fact that I can't see starlight. The caption for the next panel. 
Slipping the rod back into its holster, he hurls himself like a great red panther from the tree branch. And we see Starman leaping down from the tree into action, and he thinks, I'm not completely helpless. I still have plenty of power left in my fists. Superb. We move on to page six, and the caption says, Like a living bomb, he smashes into the gangsters, catapulting them toward the ground. It's a great Murphy Anderson panel as Ted basically lands on the goons and knocks them all down. Hats are kind of coming adrift and... Bags of money are going up into the air, and Starman thinks, The countdown has begun. Caption for the next panel says, On a knee and a toe, his fist rams out. Ted punches out one of the goons with a nice, satisfying Zork sound effect, and he says, Three. Caption for the next panel says, He rises to his feet, bringing his other fist up with him into the joy target of a second mobster. And with his left hand this time, punches out the other goon, and Ted says, Two. Then for the next caption... But the third thug, made frantic by the pile-driving blows of the Astral Avenger, swings into action. Yeah, he's grabbed a park bench. Gosh. And he's bringing it down on Ted's shoulder with a whack. And Ted thinks... Countdown holding. Caption for the next panel. Shaking off the effects from his attack, the first mobster joins the bench swinger. The bench swinger is a really um, good pub in South London. You should maybe try it the next time. If you're if we're ever allowed to travel again, it's really good. I don't think it sounds like my kind of establishment. No, maybe not. So the two two of the goons are helping Starman to his feet, and one of them says, "Each of us grab an arm and pull in opposite directions." We move to the top of page seven. The caption says, "Drawing on his reserve strength, Starman lunges forward, carrying the gangsters with him." Sure enough, Ted lunges forward, thinking, "Got one chance to dislodge them by jarring them loose." Caption for the next panel says. Like a fullback hitting the line, he drives a shoulder into a tree bowl, simultaneously whipping his arms around on either side of that thick trunk. Blimey. It does look like a Saurian, doesn't it? Yeah. So basically Ted's just ran forwards into this tree, whipping the two gangsters around it. Yeah, using the momentum, I suppose. Is... Mm. And one of the gangsters says... I can't hang on! His perfectly conditioned body, quickly recovering from that blasting blow, Starman whirls and hurls himself through the air to grip... And to lift a gangster. Ted lifts the goon in the purple suit and loops him around and he says, Up you go. Caption for the next panel. Slamming him flat upon the ground, he dives over him towards the remaining mobster, struggling to his feet. And as he moves forward, Starman thinks, Now to zero off my delayed countdown. Caption for the next panel. Suddenly, from the flower in the mobster's jacket comes a high-pitched series of ear-splitting frequencies. And Ted reacts to a sound wave that's coming off of the flower. A sound wave which sounds like this. <laughs> Starman says, Those sounds striking into my very brain, blacking me out. And the goon says, Ha! Huh, I knew the boss wouldn't fail us. Top of page eight, the caption says. By the time the sounds die away and a shaken Starman staggers from the scene. Ted has got to his feet. He's got a hand to his head. He's leaning against a tree for support and he's thinking. They're gone. While I was being battered by those sound waves, they made their getaway. And I lost my chance to track down their boss. Slow dissolve, the caption says. Elsewhere in the city, an old foe, the Mist, is gloating over Starman's defeats. My long-term enemy, back again. Ah, it seems like old times pitting my ingenious criminal mind and powers against Starman's star-powered stunts. And we see the really, really creepy ethereal mist is working. It looks like a sort of a dome. It's like an upside-down colander. There's a window behind him, so he's obviously, he has a special hideout. Maybe this is podcasting studio because there's a microphone in front of him as yeah. well. Pete, um, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> What's hot to me at the moment is I'm so used to Opal City. Mm. Do you know what I mean? From mm-hmm. the, the Robinson Harris sort of series. And this is freaking me out slightly because I'm sort of thinking, right, hang on, this bit should be set in Opal City. Or why is he, wor- is he working in Park City instead of Opal City? I don't know. Anyway, the caption for the next panel with a nice little headshot of the mist says, Yes, this is the mist, the master of that invisible solution which enables him to make any object with which it is coated disappear from view. Even the very cloak he wears seems to be a mist after which his head protrudes. With this same solution, he has learned to transmit hypnotic influences to victims he chooses to rob. Just as I sent sound shock waves to the flower worn by my hireling, who was protected against it, to knock out Starman. What puzzles me is, how did Starman get wise to my latest racket? I must ask my men when they arrive. So, over the page, and there's a lovely half-page advert for Palisades Amusement Park... And a little instruction from the cat from AMT on how to build perfect models. There's a full page origin of Starman, which we'll come back to. 
and then we're over the page into part two of Mastermind, Mastermind of, of Menaces. Menaces. So everyone's all assembled now at the Mist's laboratory. The three goons who picked up the cash from the park, they're all back. Slightly worse for wear, having had a fight with Starman, because orange jacket goon is rubbing the back of his neck and John Pertwee style Yes. And purple suit goon says, We got the cash, Mist. Even if Starman did stumble on a racket, orange jacket goon says. Starman put on a whale of a battle, but what gets me is why didn't he use his cosmic rod against us? And the Mist says, What's that? Starman didn't use his famous power gimmick? Very interesting. Could be that he was unable to use his weapon. As his gang members make their report and turn over the loot of their latest clueless crime, the mist reflects with that cold, clever brain that has made him so awesome an antagonist in the past. Too often has he fought the Astral Avenger and been defeated by him. Well, twice. Twice that we know of at this point, yes. Not to understand that he must take advantage of any bit of information that may help him gain a victory over his long-standing foe. And in the next panel, we have a lovely close-up of the mist, and he's saying, Had I known he couldn't counter-attack with his cosmic rod, I'd have followed up that floral soundwave blast I hurled at him with even more destructive ones. But I have no time at the moment to concern myself about Starman. I must listen in on Dinah Drake's report of what select customers... She's delivering flowers to on the morrow. Over the page. <laughs> At this moment in the Drake Flower Shop office... Dinah's going through some filing cards, and Larry has come through the door. And Dinah says... Hi, honey. Did you come up with anything on those mysterious robberies? And Larry says... I sure did. I found out who's one of the key culprits, a woman. A very pretty woman, I might add. And Dinah says in the next panel... Oh, really? Well, don't keep me in suspense. Who is she? And this is great because Larry's beeping her nose, which is the greatest form of affection a human being can show another human being. It's great. We're going to put this I love up it. in socials. I love this yes. panel. It's beautiful. And Larry says, why? None other than you. Dinah looks shocked. She says, me? You must be kidding. I kid you not, doll. Get this. The one common denominator in the robberies has been the flowers you sent to every one of those places just before they were robbed. Dinah looks really quite pained. She's crunched up the paperwork she was holding. I hope it wasn't important. Go to the next panel. Dinah says, My flowers had nothing to do with it. They couldn't have. Suddenly, Ted Starman is standing in the doorway of the office. Larry's perched himself on the desk, very comfortable. And Starman says, Oh yes, they did, Dinah. This flower you gave me had a direct bearing on a robbery as a talking flower. It instructed a man named Charles Prentice to take cash from his safe, put it in a bag and deliver it to Fifth and Jefferson. I went there and when my cosmic rod wouldn't work, I had to wade in with my fists. Over the page onto page 11, the caption says, As he tells his story, the Astral Avenger displays his cosmic rod, which, to his astonishment... And the cosmic rod is lighting up. Starman says, It's glowing with stellar energy. I'm in business again. Dinah says, You two wait in here while I cup. Then we'll go into deep huddle on how to handle this incredible affair. And Laddie says, Hi, Starman. First chance I've been able to cut in with a big hello. Some moments later, Larry and Starman stiffen in surprise as an odd change comes over Dinah Drake Lance. Leave my office at once. I have private business to attend to. It seems a sort of glassy expression in Dinah's face there, which is interesting. Starman, as an aside, says to Larry, Quickly, Larry, obey her. Caption for the next panel says, As they leave the private office, Starman and Larry whispering to each other as Dinah moves out the way. Starman says, Something is obviously wrong. She seems to be in a trance. And Larry says, But I want to see what she intends doing. It'll give us some idea of what is going on. As soon as the office door is locked, the cosmic rod lifts and focuses. As it glows to full power, the solid wall between the men and Dinah becomes transparent. Terrific. Right. Sure enough, Larry says, Good gosh, Dinah's speaking to those flowers. Sure enough, through the hole in the wall that the cosmic rod has created, we can see that Dinah is speaking to a bunch of flowers in front of her, and she says, I'm alone, and I'm reported like ordered. Following are the wealthy customers who ordered flowers delivering tomorrow. In another part of town, the mist gloats triumphantly. And we see the mist in his laboratory, or hideout, looking up at the speaker that we saw on the wall earlier on, and Dinah's voice is coming from it, saying, The Van Tallers, the Burtons, the Park Yacht Club, these are their addresses. And the mist thinks, 
This is rich. I have spies, specially treated flowers in the enemy camp. I heard Starman telling what happened to him, and now Mrs. Lance is giving me her regular report. None of them suspects that I send a different man each day to the flower shop, who secretly sprays the place while considering what flowers to purchase. I only concern myself with the floral deliveries to the homes of people worth robbing. And it must be said, that panel, where he's having that thought, he has the most insane evil eyes. We haven't raved as, quite as much about Murphy Anderson's artwork in this one so far as we did when we did the showcase issues, mm-hmm. but it's gorgeous. I mean, the light and the shadows on his face is highlighting his eyes. We can see that they're bloodshot or maybe mist shot. He looks deranged. Mm-hmm. I could totally cosplay as him if I grew my hair out for like a year. You could. And maybe find I'll a way do... to become invisible. Yeah, so I'm, and, and a bit misty. So there we go. <laughs> Yeah, Maybe we'll Rappers. Starman, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you'll have to be a black canary. Yeah. I'll have to wrap myself in a cloud. Um, and we can team up and beat him up. Yeah. Hooray! Excellent. Hooray. So, over the page and the mist thoughts continue. The special spray causes the flowers to vibrate to certain ultra frequencies, just as does a telephone transmitter, translating those frequencies into the sound of my hypnotic voice, which I beam directly at my victims' homes. And then we cut to the exterior of the mist side out, which... Uh, it's like a kind of a, an airplane hangar, actually. There's an airplane outside mm. it and a fancy house attached to it. And uh, the missed mm. thoughts continue. From what I overheard Starman say in Dinah's office, it's evident that he and the flower she gave him were in line with my beaming voice to the Prentice place. But best of all, I now know why his cosmic rod didn't work. The frequencies given off by his flower, combined with the motor noises in the observatory, resulted in starlight not reaching him for a brief time. The arch criminal hands a tape recorder to one of his thugs. And indeed the panel shows him doing just that, and it seems to be a different gun from the other ones. And the mist says, Sneak into that observatory and record those sounds. By combining the sounds with my ultra frequencies, I'll be able to permanently cut off the radio energy from the stars on which Starman's cosmic rod operates. And we get another classic close-up side panel this time, a lovely evil profile. And the mist continues, Now... When Starman and I clash again, the weapons will be stacked in my favour. Meantime, Dinah opens the door of her private office. And we see that Larry and Starman are both standing with their fingers to their lips. Dinah thinks... Huh? They don't want me to speak. And Starman is thinking... We've got to talk to Dinah, where those flowers can't listen in. Caption for the next panel. Everyone has seen a moody close-up. The caption says... In a back room, matters are explained to the dismayed flower store owner. And a slightly annoyed Dinah says, So, someone's been using me as a dupe? Well, he won't be getting away with it. I'm taking an active part in this case as the Black Canary. We move on to the top of page 13, and the first panel shows Dinah getting changed. Caption says, In her special dressing room... Angry fingers lift and fit the dark fabric of her costume over the flushed girl. Dinah has her fishnets on. She has the leotard on. We can see her wig on its stand in front of her. She's pulling on her jacket and she thinks... The nerve of that guy, whoever he is, using me and my flowers to help him rob. A blonde wig is fitted over her black hair and now she is ready to face the world as the crime-busting Black Canary. Next panel shows Black Canary emerging from her changing room. Starman and Larry are there. Larry says, You gave the crook three addresses, honey. I suggest we go to each one and nab them. Black Canary says, Good idea, Larry. One addition. You go there only to watch and observe, and then follow the other robbers to their hideout. Starman says in the next panel, Black Canary's right. We must find the mastermind behind all this by having one of us follow the mobsters. And Larry says, But why like me? I'm a pretty good crook catcher, you know. And Black Canary answers them. There, you're an experienced detective, a crackerjack, and shadowing people without their knowing it. Starman says, Sure, the right man for the right job. With your detective gimmicks, you can contact us and pinpoint the hideout's location. And Larry answers, Flattery sure got you somewhere. What can I say but okay? Black Canary says in the next panel, Here's an address for each of you. I'll take the Van Tyler house. Larry, you go to the Burtons. Starman, I'm putting the Yacht Club into your keeping. Starman says, Just as I'm putting this miniature cosmic rod into yours, Black Canary. And we see Starman hand over the miniature cosmic rod, and then he continues in close-up in the next panel. 
I want you to use it as a secret weapon against our foe. If my regular one fails to work again, as I suspect, it draws its power from quasars, the greatest known source of energy in the universe. I've been working on it for some months, finally finishing it today at the observatory. And we move to the top of page 14, and it's the interior of the Van Toller house. You can see a lady in a very smart blue dress. There's a painting on a wall. And crucially, there's a bunch of flowers in a little vase or is it a bowl on top of a table. And emanating from the flowers in the same way we have before, it's that spooky, scary voice. And it says, Freda Van Toller, gather all your emeralds and leave them on your vanity table. Open a downstairs window, then leave the house for an hour. Few minutes after, the wealthy woman has left her home. And it's three of the mist's goons, but they're all invisible, climbing the window. And one of them says, Let's go, she did just what the mist told her to do. Don't they always? He's come up with the neatest robbery scheme of all time. In the bedroom above, invisible fingers lift and display green fire in the shape of costly emeralds. And we see the goons picking up the aforementioned costly emeralds and one of them sticking them into a bag and he says, Man, when it comes to green stuff, I'll take emeralds over bucks any time. But then, below, a blonde bombshell leaps through the open window. And as Kennedy leaps in through the window, she thinks, I didn't see anyone come in, but I know someone's here. Next caption. From the amulet about her throat, Black Canary removes a pellet of reddish powder and breaks it in her palm. And she thinks to herself, I hear footsteps and voices upstairs. It was good of Starman to let me have that tiny cosmic rod, but I have ways of my own for dealing with invisible crooks. Moments later, pursed lips blow a red cloud into the bedroom. And we see a close-up of Dinah <laughs> blowing the red powder into the bedroom with a nice whoosh caption. This is um obviously before a rather significant power development, development yes. we're all quite used to in the modern age, isn't it? Yeah, this is just Black Lady martial arts expert. Interesting. So... Mm. We move to the top of page 15. That fine crimson powder coats heads or legs or chests with the impartiality of inanimate matter. And this panel shows Black Canary running through the open doorway. The red powder is drifting in, attaching itself to the goons who have stopped in their tracks. One of them says, Hey, it's a Black Canary! Black Canary is thinking, They look like cutouts, just as I have my work cut out for me. The girl gladiator reaches out to grab hold of a stray arm. Because the red powder has attached itself to one of the arms of one of the goons, Canary can see him, and she grabs him, and the goon says, Hey, give me a hand, you guys. Black Canary says, What do you want with more hands? You have both of mine. She whips him about in an ever-widening airplane spin until... This is fantastic. She just lifts the guy clear off the ground, batters him against the wall, and she says, Contact! Caption for the next panel says, A chair seemingly leaps off the floor and swings at her. And this is quite good because the goon is still invisible, but we can see that the powder is starting to coat the bottom of his trousers and his shoes, and he's lifting the chair up, swinging it towards Black Canary, who dodges out of the way, thinking, His noise of red feet alert me from danger. She dives. Her hands tighten about two crimson ankles. Crimson ankles was the name of a, a B-side by menswear. Wasn't actually released, though, as far as I know. I think it might be on the new expanded version of the album that came out recently. That's good to know. <laughs> Black Canary dives down, grabbing the goon, by his aforementioned ankles, and she exclaims, Ankles away! Which is an excellent joke, quite yes. frankly. Well done, Gardner. So we move to the top of page 16. A dressing table and chair explode in a spray of splinters as... Black Canary is hella strong, it must be said. Mm-hmm. She's lifted the gun up by his ankles and smashed them down on this very expensive-looking furniture. A caption for the next panel says, Before the Black Canary can get set for her next foe, a hurled lamp knocks her backward. One of the other goons whose top of his body is being coated by the red powder. And he's thrown his lamp at Black Canary, and that's obviously what's prompted her to think. That chesty one got me by surprise, but at least he did me the favour of knocking me into that strong beam of sunlight. Inspiration illuminates the keen mind and quick wits of the girl gladiator as she whips out a tiny mirror from her canary amulet and... The goon says, Can't see. Black canary thinks, The sunlight I'm aiming at him is reflecting off his eyes. Fantastic. That's just captions and dialogue cover it all there, so we move to the mm-hmm. next caption. Albert she erupts like an angry geyser. Her determined fists make contact a few inches below those sun-dazzled orbs. The goon's t-shirt is now completely coated in red powder, and canary connects with both fists, saying, Target jaw. Do you know what's really cool about this panel is the goon is wearing I know white trousers, and he's kind of got a red top. <laughs> <laughs> he looks very much like Captain Triumph. 
Another Golden Age character. Yes. Could this be another legacy character? <laughs> Interesting. We might post a picture of Captain Dryon for yes. comparison. That's, uh, a, that's a great yeah, idea. We'll have a look. Anyway, next panel. Then she borrows some dusting powder from Frida Van Toller and... Dinah scatters the powder over the goons, which obviously means she can now see them. And she says, Take a powder, boys, so I can see who I'm going to take to jail. We move to the top of page 17. Across Park City in its fashionable yacht club. And we see a chap, he reminds me of Kyle McLaughlin and How I Met Your Mother, which I've been watching recently. <laughs> the captain. The captain, yeah. Jinx, you may Fanta, who's attending to a sort of model that looks very much like a sort of Viking longboat mm-hmm. sort of thing on a tabletop. And also on the tabletop, there's a very attractive flower arrangement and a creepy voice is coming from the flowers saying, Remove the charity receipts from the cash box and place them into the model Viking ship. Put the ship in the water. As the mesmerised attendant does as commanded, a strong breeze carries the vessel outward into the harbour. And a gorgeous, resplendent Murphy Anderson Viking model longboat. There's oars and everything, that's tremendous. Mm-hmm. It makes me think there's like wee guys inside her driving it along. And he's, the attendant is standing almost like he's hypnotised. Some beautiful clouds in the background. This is a really nice panel. And the boat is moving through the water. And then, out of a partly cloudy sky, drops a helicopter towards the longship, just as Starman hurtles upward from the harbour waters. This is a cracking panel as Starman bursts out of the water, bearing his cosmic rod, and he thinks, With the protection of my cosmic rod, I've been shadowing the ship model underwater, expecting some such development as this. As a grabbing claw descending from the helicopter, obviously making for the model Viking boat. As the rod glows more brightly, the propellers lift upward off the copter. Fantastic, and sure enough, yet yeah, the propelling blades on top of the helicopter lift off, causing one of the goons who's flying a helicopter to shout, Aye, we'll fall! And his mate to say, Not before we get Starman! In the next panel, we move to the top of page 18. Starman flies up towards the plummeting helicopter. The caption says, A rain of bullets hums towards the Astral Avenger. And there's a nice rat-a-tat sound effect, a pow-pow as they fire their guns, but Ted is, as he's rod in front of him, so he should be all right. Maybe getting to a little bit late in the day now, because there's a nice sort of red tint to yes. some of the clouds in the mm-hmm. background. Very nice. No idea who coloured this story. I doubt it was Murphy Anderson, but it looks really, really pretty. Anyway, caption for the next panel says, The star energies of the rod flare out, causing the bullets to be turned back towards the copter itself. Starman looks very, very heroic in this panel. I think we should probably put this one up on the socials. Yeah. It's a good one. Ted is directing his rod in the direction of the helicopter, so the bullets are flying back towards them. So one of the goons says, Hold it, Starman, we give up! And then one of the other ones says, Save us! At this moment, having followed the robbers from the Burton Mansion, Larry Lance makes his report to his fellow crime fighters. And in this panel, we can see Larry hiding behind a bush, talking on his walkie-talkie, and he says... Starman, like Canary, this is Larry Lance. I've trailed the robbers to their hideout. This is where it is. Story continued on third page following. Bottom of that page, there's an advert for Tootsie Pops. Over the page, we have the origin of Black Canary. There's a full page advert for G.I. Joe Club. Join the fun with G.I. Joe. Yes, G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe. Fighting man from head to toe on the land, on the sea, in the air. Superb. Right, so we're now on page 19. And we are at part three of... Mastermind of Menaces caption says as larry lance's voice is transmitted to starman and the black canary it is heard by the mist inside his laboratory via his floral microphones and we see the mist giving direction to three of his invisible goons and the mist says larry lance didn't realize his voice would be picked up by my specially treated bushes outside this building go get him you men i want him out of the way when starman and black canary get here An attack by three invisible thugs and Larry Lance goes down, striking out bravely but with futile fists as... Lovely big panel. Beautiful Murphy work here. You can see the crazy paving outside the mist's house. Mist is coming out the doorway. Larry's been grabbed by three invisible goons. I mean, even just like the detail in their faces. Yeah. It's tremendous. It's really next level. I mean, he was a genius. Anyway. And as the mist runs out of the house, he shouts... Grab him! Hold him! And Larry Lance is thinking as he's being manhandled by these invisible goons. They won't hold me long. At least they don't know that Black Canary and Starman are on their way here to round up the rest of this gang. And the mist continues his speech. I have some very special weapons prepared for Starman. And also for the daring lady, the Black Canary. Lance has beckoned them into a trap from which there is no escape. So we move to the top of page 20. The caption says, 
First on the scene is the Astral Avenger to be greeted by the wild laughter of... And we see Starman bursting through a window and he cries, The Mist! The surprise party is going to be on you, Starman! Out from a wall dart gigantic flowers sprayed with the Mist's special solution. At the same time, tape-recorded sounds of the Astronomical Observatory fill the air. Starman's almost paused in mid-flight. We can see the flowers coming out of the wall. The mist is in the foreground operating levers. There's a sound effect saying... Screech! Starman says... My rod stopped glowing! And the mist says... Of course! Because starlight and its energies are prevented from reaching you. Your cosmic weapon is powerless to stop my invisible gang. Battered by a floral flood of high-frequency waves encompassed by the tape-recorded sounds, Starman plummets into a tool bench. Oof, that looks nasty. Yes. Starman falls onto the bench, scattering equipment. It's a massive, obviously made quite a thud. And the mist yells, Get him! Invisible gangsters rush the crime fighter. His fist slashes out... Lands hard on an unseen face, even as he is overcome by the sheer weight of numbers. It's a cracking panel. We see Ted being assailed by three invisible goons. He gets a couple of blows in, but they've got a really good hold of him. We turn over to page 21. As Starman goes down, the blonde bombshell crashes into the big room. We see Black Canary bursting the door off its hinges. The mist says, You're next, Black Canary, and you'll be easier to take than Starman. Canary thinks to herself, Starman's cosmic rods deactivated. Now I see why he armed me with that miniature rod. Caption for the next panel. Invisible men leap at her and grab empty air as she rises upward like a rocket. And this is a cracking panel because Black Canary jumps out of the way and all the goons just basically run into each other. The mist says, Huh? You ain't super powered. Where'd you latch onto that trick? Canary thinks. That's only the beginning of the tricks I'll show that misfit with my hand-concealed weapon. Misfit is a brilliant play on words. For the next panel says... From her clenched fingers, a beam of energy stabs out. And it's obvious now that Dinah's very high up, and from her hand, a beam of energy is beaming down toward all the goons on the ground, and she's thinking... Ha! There they are! The quasars from which this tiny rod gets his power are too potent for the mists to overcome as he did Starman's. And it's basically this beam has made the goons visible again. Yes. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the caption for the next panel says, Her fist, aided by the striking power of the tiny star scepter, lands with jarring impacts. Dinah's swooped down and punched out one of the goons. This is another cracking Murphy Anderson panel. Am I Murphy Anderson's biggest fan? I don't know. Anyway, Black Canary says, See if you stars are me, fella. And literally, there are stars around his head as she it's, punches him out. It's glorious. great. I mean, it's, even the shading on him, it's, I keep going on about this, but the art is just gorgeous. Anyway, so the caption for the next panel says, A gravity tug from the star rod and scientific instruments are yanked loose. Canary is swooping over the mist, a couple of beams coming down from her hand, and some of his equipment is moving up into the air. And the mist is saying, Hey, what's with the rest of you guys? Get in here and lend a hand! We move to the top of page 22. At his cry, the remaining gangsters race into the room, just as the girl gladiator manoeuvres the scientific equipment together. Black Canary is still flying around. She's using the beam that's coming from the Cosmic Rod. She's got all sorts of equipment. Some of it looks like quite heavy machinery floating up in the air. And some some more invisible goons have run in. And one of them says... What's she up to? Another one says... Beats me. I could never figure out a dame. And Canary is thinking... Their voices are telling me where they are. Caption for the next panel says, A conglomeration of instruments drops on the surprised criminals. Oh, that's going to hurt. And surely we see all the equipment falling down and KOing the goons. I mean, I really hope that that really big heavy thing with the cables hanging from it didn't land on someone. You could really break someone's back. Yes. Anyway, caption for the next panel says, In agonised despair, the mist sees the black canary destroy his wonder flower. And we see canary blasting from her cosmic rod and the mist's flowers just falling apart and the mist is thinking I've got to stop her before Starman regains consciousness his cosmic rod will start working again with those flowers destroyed next caption leaping to a control stud the mist presses it shooting pellets from hidden compressed air guns my last remaining gimmick but it's sure fire Canary's floating above the bullets flying towards him she thinks got to drive him away from me by shielding myself shoot off a sort of golden glow started to appear around Black Canary Caption for the next panel at the top of page 23. Inexperienced in the use of the cosmic rod, a single pellet penetrates her faulty shield, and... Oh, we see Dinah being struck in her forehead, and she says, Oh, one of them grabbed-
surprised me. The next caption says, As Starman stirs, a couple of revived mobsters leap toward the Black Canary. And we see Starman in the foreground of the panel with stars spinning around his head. He's rubbing his forehead as he comes to. A couple of goons running towards Black Canary, who's out for the count on the ground. Starman thinks, Black Canary, in danger. The caption for the next panel says, Recovering his cosmic rod, he throws a bubble of energy around the fallen girl as... Sure enough, we see Starman now on his feet. He's created a sort of force field effect over Black Canary. Two goons run into it. Starman thinks, By destroying the flowers, Black Canary enabled the star energies to recharge my weapon. Caption for the next panel. Half mad with despair, the mist leaps forward like a man possessed. His desperate fingers reach out to wrest the rod away from Starman. Ted sees him coming, turns round. Caption says, But before he can lay a hand on it, Starman's free hand lashes out. And with a thud, Starman punches the mist with his left hand. Starman says, Just like old times, Mist. You're my prisoner. As soon as I demist you, I'm taking you in. We now move to the final page of the story, top of page 24. Caption says, after the Astral Avenger releases the Black Canary, they hear a thumping sound. Starman and Black Canary standing over the unconscious Mist, who is no longer misted. There's a couple of thump, thump sound effects. Black Canary says, Where's Larry and what's the noise? Caption for the next panel. Behind a lab door and pounding his heels on the floor for attention is... Starman has opened the door and we can see Larry lying on the ground with his wrists and ankles tied got a blindfold on. Canary runs towards him saying, Larry, darling, what happened to you? And through his gag, Larry muffles. <laughs> Slow dissolve. Caption for the next panel says, Later that evening, after the mist and his mobsters have been turned over to the police, a long-delayed dinner date is kept at a rooftop restaurant. This is very nice. Park City must be a, a nice place to visit. It's a sort of big glass dome. We can see the, the people inside the restaurant at the tables as a waiter walking towards with a tray and Ted is saying, It sure is good to see the stars again. I know I'll keep on seeing them. And sure enough in the sky there's about a thousand stars up there. It's lovely, it looks amazing, it? yeah. But you could almost say all the stars are coming out tonight. They're lighting up the sky tonight. And in the final panel, Ted Knight is saying, I wish you'd keep the miniature cosmic rod, Dinah. And a smiling Dinah says, no thanks, Ted. When I go back into the action, it'll be in Black Canary style all the way. The, the end. end. There we go. Well, Brave and Bold 61. Brave and Bold 61. Starman, Black Canary, The Mist, Larry Lance. Ooh. I thought that was cracking. That was that really, was really good. Helped. Insane um, whispering flowers. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's I mean, hypnotic whispering flowers. Yeah. Madness. I wonder where he got the idea from. But compared to the two showcase issues we did, I mm-hmm. think it was, it was a bit more urgent. It didn't feel like it was just two fights, sort of. Yeah, uh-huh, you know. very much so. Because as we said, for the first showcase, it was, it was pretty much one big fight. Mm-hmm. And the second one was more just kind of robberies and heists. And yeah. obviously, you know, in both, we had the heroes fighting each other as well. Uh, you did have the guest appearance of, you know, Hal Jordan of Alan Scott in the, <laughs> in the first one and of course in this one we've got Larry Lance who's great yeah I, I like you know Larry Lance private detective quite handsy quite capable and you can see why it's uh, a viable love interest for yeah. Black Canary and how they got together because you know they yeah. are like a crime fighting duo absolutely uh, I will say there is a lot of domes in this comic not only do you have the observatory you also have the dome that the mist uses mm-hmm. uh, in his uh, spooky lair and also Starman uses a dome to save uh, Black Canary and in the end the restaurant the restaurant, is, the is, the a restaurant dome. is a dome so what does that mean symbolically then? They like domes. Yeah. <laughs> they like yeah. domes. They like domes. Now, one of the things that struck me about this story is the fact that the mist seem to have an unlimited number of goons, which yes. they all went off to do their things. Now, the next appearance of the mist is in Justice League of America 195. And, of course, he first appears there in a scene with two of his ex-henchmen. Right. They have ripped him off and he's getting revenge on them. You discover in that same scene as well that his powers have had a bit of an upgrade so he can actually become like a mist, you know, and become intangible instead of just being, you know, a guy wearing an invisibility poncho with his head sticking out and his hands sticking out. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a lot more dangerous. And obviously that carries on uh, post-crisis into the, the Starman series. That's basically what we think of him in Starman. Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, you're just used to the disembodied head and He's hands almost like a, like a ghost, almost a ethereal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. An interesting thing about the mist was... um. 
at the height of the revived JLA, JSA sort of thing that was going on in the 90s, there was a story in Sandman Mystery Theatre. Mm, yes. Which was like a retconned mm-hmm. Vertigo Comics origin forum. So we'll put the yep. four covers for that up on the socials. Yes. That was quite interesting because that showed the first sort of meeting of Wesley Dodds, aka Sandman, who we still haven't met in the podcast, and Ted Knight before he became Starman, mm-hmm. and the guy who had become the Mist. And that tied into a storyline which took place in Starman where Jack... Starman had to go and visit Wesley Dodds for a reason but if you want to find out what that is go and read Starman yes so like the two showcase issues which gave us full page sort of recaps of the origins of yes. Our Man and Doctor Fate mm-hmm. B&B 61 has a couple of pages one for Starman and one for Black Canary so I'll quickly burst through the Starman one from his boyhood Ted Knight had an absorbing interest in astronomy born to wealth he was able to devote much time to this hobby and eventually made a remarkable discovery. He found a way to utilise infrarays from distant stars with his amazing gravity rod, which was first described as an invention that overcomes the forces of gravity and launches bolts of energy by radiating starlight. Having perfected this instrument, Ted next created the red and green costume the world was soon to know as Uniform of Starman. He made his debut in Adventure Comics number 61, the cover of which is reproduced below. As you can see, listeners... The Astral Avenger battled many villains, but none more ingenious than the Mist. These arch foes first met in The Menace of the Invisible Raiders, Adventure number 67, 1941. When Our Man was granted a leave of absence from the Justice Society of America, Starman was selected as his replacement. He and Dr. Midnight both won their spurs in All-Star Comics number 8 by helping the JSA defeat the evil plots of Professor Elba. That's Idris Elba, the popular actor. If only. If they did a movie of All-Star Comics number 8, they could get Idris to play him. Wow. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Soon after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor brought the United States into World War II, the Justice Society became the Justice Battalion under orders from the War Department. Starman joined his fellow JSAers in fighting spies and saboteurs on the home front, as well as performing missions behind the enemy lines. During one such expedition in occupied Poland, he kept Nazi officials busy trying to decode a secret message consisting of the lifetime batting average of big league baseball stars Ty Cobb, Tris Speaker and Rabbit Moranville. Interesting. On another occasion, a German rocket scientist, ah, tried to get rid of eight JSA members by trapping them and shooting them into space. Starman wound up on the planet Jupiter, where he overcame a threat to the native Jovians by building a huge replica of his gravity rod and using it to hurl the menace off that world. The towering instrument also provided the power which returned the Astral Avenger to Earth. Of course, there were domestic villains to deal with too. Starman was in the thick of the battles with such foes as the Brainwave, the King Bee, and the original Psycho Pirate. Starman's last appearance with the Justice Society was in The Plunder of the Psycho Pirate, All-Star Comics number 23, 1944. He and the Spectre, who dropped out at the same time, were replaced by Green Lantern and the Flash. A year later, he last saw action in the pages of Adventure Comics number 102. And I think we probably talked about that when we did The Starman of the Silver Age. I think we mentioned that part. During his years of retirement, Ted Knight continued to improve his gravity rod until he developed a highly superior cosmic rod, which draws its incredible power from the cosmic forces of the universe. He first put this new instrument to use against the crime syndicate of America of Earth 3, when he returned to action with his fellow JSAers, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Dr. Midnight and Black Canary. This was the first time he had worked with the blonde bombshell, for he had retired before she began her crime-fighting career. That's something we should talk about. Yes. Again, it's another reference to the James Robinson and Tony Harris Starman series. Mm-hmm. I mentioned when we did Showcase 55 and 56 that there was an issue of the Rags Morales Tom Payer Our Man series, which basically was Showcase 57. It was uh-huh. another adventure that involved Our Man and Dr. Fate. And similarly to that, in one of the Starman annuals, I'll put this tactfully in a story by James Robinson and Gene Ha, they indicated that the relationship between Starman and Black Canary developed somewhat mm-hmm. and there's a little story about them being at the risk of being blackmailed before Starman's police pals sort of stop in and, and fix it and it kind of got folded into the continuity there's a moment in Justice League of America year one an excellent series by Mark Wade and Barry Kitson which you, you should read if you haven't there's a bit of tension between Ted and Dinah at yes. one point and a couple of other people pick up on it and it's just one of those little bits of shading that makes people feel really much, I think, more like real characters. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's been done, you know. So, yeah, so Pete's going to tell us now the origin of Black Canary sure. from this issue of B&B. Black Canary first appeared in the Johnny Thunderstrip in Flash Comics number 86, August 1947. That story was called, what else? The Black Canary. The blonde bombshell originally acted as a sort of female Robin Hood, preying upon criminals by stealing their ill-gotten gains. In this first adventure, she tricked Johnny Thunder into swiping a mask of a special design to be worn by guests at a party given by a big-time racketeer. 
Gaining entry to his home by wearing the mask, Black Canary was about to rob the gang leader's safe when she was surprised by her host and some of his underlings. Johnny, always one to help a damsel in distress, came to her rescue with his magic thunderbolt. When the smoke cleared, the mobsters were in police custody and Black Canary had slipped away. Although her unorthodox methods of combating crime caused her at first to be mistaken for a crook herself, she soon set matters straight and enlisted Johnny in her war against evildoers. Since Johnny belonged to the Justice Society of America, it was inevitable that Black Canary should encounter that famed organisation, which she did in All-Star Comics number 38, History's Crime Wave, December 1947. A madman impersonating villains of the past actually succeeded in killing Hawkman, The Flash, Doctor Midnight, The Atom, Green Lantern and Johnny Thunder. But Black Canary found the dying Johnny who, with his last breath, sent her to Wonder Woman for help. The amazing Amazon used the purple ray invented by her friend Paula von Gunther to restore the heroes to life. But even this marvellous device would have failed if the costumed heroines had delayed too long after the crime fighters' deaths. Black Canary then aided the revived JSAers in putting an end to the career of their adversary. Johnny Thunder made only one more appearance with the Justice Society, for he retired soon afterward. So it was that in Flash number 92, February 1948, Black Canary took over as sole star of the strip she had shared with him. The cover of this issue of Flash, which is reproduced below... So it is. Yeah. See that? We'll put this up in the socials. Lovely. ...was the only one in which the blonde bombshell was depicted. Now, interestingly enough, it kind of is an homage itself to the debut of Robin the Boy Wonder. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Because you've got uh, Black Canary bursting kind of through a hoop held by Flash and Hawkman here. And of course, uh, Robin did a similar thing on Detective Comics 38. And then there was also, obviously, there was an issue of Blue Devil. That almost done as well. Yeah, yeah. With Kid Devil. With Kid the, Devil, the uh-huh. sensational, Was it the sensational character find of... Of 1986. Whichever it was. Did they say the same thing for Robin? The sensational character find? I can't remember. I think so, yeah. <laughs> so, prior to this, Black Canary's secret identity of dark-haired florist Dinah Drake not been revealed to the readers. It was in this same story that she first teamed with private detective Larry Lance, whom she was later to marry. Meanwhile, Black Canary continued to work with the Justice Society, although she was not yet officially a member. Then in All-Star number 41, she teamed with the Harlequin, a costumed villainess, who later was revealed as a police undercover agent to thwart the schemes of the wizards and his fellow Injustice Society members, the Fiddler, the Icicle, the Sportsmaster, and the Huntress. In the case of the patriotic crimes... The Sportsmaster and the Huntress, you say? Hmm. Mm. Okay. Interesting. We've met most of these before. The other two? Uh, mm. no, okay. Let's see. Black Canary's work in this case was rewarded when she was inducted into the JSA. Our heroine appeared in Flash right up until it was discontinued, with issue 104, in February 1949. She maintained her membership in the JSA throughout the rest of the adventures in All-Star, the last being The Mystery of the Vanishing Detectives, issue number 57 in February-March 1951. Cover date of February-March 1951. It went on sale in 1950. They disbanded in 1950. I really liked those two. They seemed a bit more comprehensive than the the previous ones we've done. Uh And of course we should point out all Black Canary and Starman's Golden Age Adventures are available to read in DC Archive editions. Yes, the Black Canary one is in one handy dandy volume, including yep. a Bronze Age stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Starman one's across two volumes, and of course all their All-Star appearances yep. appear in the All-Star archives. Sadly, as it seems to be a theme with uh, some of these stories, there's no reader reaction for the time for these uh, Amazing Earth 2 stories. Again, this is a story set entirely on Earth 2. And it's interesting because there's no mention of that in the story at all. Exactly, yeah. Because the... Showcase 55 emphasised mm-hmm. it was the Green Lantern of Earth 2. Yes. And, then, and that was to kind of ease the reader in, I think. Yeah, you know, but it's this. fascinating because I think we're assuming it's set on Earth 2. Uh-huh. It could be set anywhere for all we know. This could be another parallel off entirely, but we know presumably uh-huh. because it's Starman and Black Canary from the Justice Society yes. of America. And it's, you know, I, I want to know how when they first met because as the, the text pages pointed out, you know, they mm-hmm. never worked together mm-hmm. in, the, in Jessa. At the same time, there's probably been several retcon stories done since that show that they did sure. because she didn't feature in the All Star Squadron. She's in a couple of issues of All Star Squadron mm-hmm. and paid, you know pinup drawings, etc. Uh, but um, obviously, you know that takes place before her debut. Yeah, that's there's an untold story. Mm-hmm. When did Starman and Black Canary first meet? That's oh, we'll put when we start writing our own DC comic. Yep, that we've we'll mentioned that. many times. Mm-hmm. That's probably it for Brave and Bold sixty one. Then, isn't it? Yes. So. Special thanks to Amy for joining us in this episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks, Amy. vocal talents to Black Canary. That's awesome. Uh, And also to the the sound of the flowers. (laughs) The flowers. Sound of the flowers is... um, Never mind. (laughs) 
It is on that note. That's what we thought of the story. What did you think of the story? Please let us know. And I actually got a bit of personal feedback today when I bumped into one of our listeners, Alec. Hello, Alec. Who said he was thoroughly enjoying the show. So there awesome. we are. You can email us at theearthtopodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on Facebook because we're putting up lots of panels from this. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash theearthtopodcast. We're also on Instagram at the same handle. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore earth2. Yep, make sure you check out the social media pages because we're adding all sorts of supplementary material to mm-hmm. give you a bit more context for the stories we're talking about. Yep. And we've got you know a lot of stuff prepared for this story. So look out for that. So there we go. That's the end of this episode. I've been Peter. I've been Amy. And I've been David. And we'll talk to you next time on... The Earth 2 Podcast! Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Too often? (laughs) (laughs) How often? (coughs) Too often. (laughs) Merry Christmas, VT. (laughs) The outtakes for this are going to be like... Mm. Anyway. Legendary. (laughs) Wait for it.